Fuck you. That's my name. <laughs> Hey, this is Sharks Across Hollywood, and it's Halloween week three. Last week, we did a movie that wasn't so good. This week, we're going to do a movie that's better. Oh, but before we actually get started, I do have to say, since we shit on that movie so much last week, I did end up watching The Invitation. Uh, How'd that turn out? It was good. So she doesn't suck anymore. She just happened to make a super boring 20-minute short film that I never really need to watch again. But The Invitation is good. I'll watch that again. It Which had one, one did those, she make again? The last one, her only son or whatever the fuck that one was the one about the devil kid yeah that one had its moments but it was it was kind of sloggy yeah no thank you but the invitation yes please yeah i I was into it it had a cool ending i really like the end whoa whoa don't spoil it man oh fuck no i'm not gonna tell i'm not gonna tell you i'm just saying i like the ending happy endings are bullshit so god damn it sad endings are bullshit so there you go i love a good i love a happy ending i just just love 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 a happy ending you're gonna forget that i said that you know you are because i'm gonna probably maybe i'll cut that part out so you won't have to hear it again anyways this week we're gonna be talking about the thing so we're gonna keep our i notice a pattern here it comes at night one of the one of the dourest saddest movies i've seen in my entire life xx the very first thing you see is this lady's entire family dying and now we're gonna do the thing which is all about isolation and hey guess what spoiler alert everybody dies <laughs> again well now okay that depends that depends on whether or not you take the comic book as being canon i don't because, because i've never do, read it but i did hear that well if you do take the comic book as being canon uh, mccready does not die he continues on and has at least three or four issues of adventures. Well, fuck McCready. Fuck the comic book McCready. Uh, I'm going to pretend like the comic books don't exist. I'm okay with that. I didn't even know there were thing comic books until fucking yesterday. You're that late to the game. I am. I am. It sounds interesting. Like, I knew there was a game. I have always wanted to play the game for PlayStation 2. I've heard that it's good. Yeah. I, I, you know, not great, but, you know, like six, seven out of ten. Yeah, it's like a movie tie-in game that doesn't suck. Especially from that era. They were kind of, they were kind of rough yeah oh yeah the ps2 era of movie tie-ins were (laughs) oh i brought home transformers the game because it was kind of cheap from hastings and i'm like oh hey this is kind of cool you get to you just push a button and you can turn into a robot and then you push the button again you can turn into a car and then novelty's over and the game sucks Was that the uh, the movie tie-in Transformers? Yeah, yeah that one. I haven't played that. I, w- I wasn't even aware that that existed, honestly. Everything. Every, all those movies had mov- had video game tie-ins, man. Uh, yeah, that's true. It's not like the 90s where literally every single TV show and movie either had a cartoon or a video game. Total Recall. Had a... The Saturday morning cartoon. Oh, that would have been awesome. The all thing... the fun of the Paul Verhoeven family film. Well, um, there was a RoboCop cartoon. There was two, so... I know. Talk Toxic Avenger had his own cartoon, the Toxic Crusaders. <laughs> that still is amazing to me. How the hell they got away with that, I will never understand. Um, Watch it and you will see. It is nothing like the movie. He didn't... Oh, I, no. I, I've i seen it. You've seen I know it? That, okay. I, I know it's not like the movie, but I just can't believe that they got away tying in something <laughs> like the Toxic Avenger to a children's property. I mean, as up their own ass as everybody was back then with, we can't have you marketing adult properties that children might be able to see. And the shit was... as tame as the shit was back then people were fucking crazy about 
it. So the fact that they managed to get a Saturday morning cartoon made out of that property blows my mind. Well, and that's hyper violent. Like Terminator 2 was marketed towards children and so was RoboCop 2. Yeah, that's true. RoboCop 2, I did not like very much. I really loved the first one, but the two and three, like a lot of people like the second one and maybe if I go back and watch it again, I'll enjoy it. But I wasn't as into it, probably because it felt like a kid's movie with a little bit of extra violence in it. I think that's why I like 2 so much. It was because it was like, yeah, it was like a hyper violent kids movie. Oh, RoboCop 3. Have you seen RoboCop 3? No. I saw a few <laughs> minutes of RoboCop 3 and I was like, yep, I don't need to be watching that. If you want to do a stinker fest with shitty superhero sequels. <laughs> Or a shitty sequel, shitty sequels in general, that that's definitely on the list. Good call. I will have to uh, keep that one in mind. Uh, that is a good idea. I know. And I, 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 if I had like a collared shirt, I'd be popping it right now because I'm smart. I'm going to have to ban Batman forever, though. It's already appeared twice or maybe three <laughs> times at Stinkerfest. I don't want to I don't want to start repeating myself too hard. OK, no Batman sequels. And the Amazing Spider-Man is two and a half hours long. So Amazing Spider-Man 2. <laughs> uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2 isn't so bad. It's good. It's just so bad. It's kind of boring. Now, if you're going to do Spider-Man sequels, you got to do spider-man 3 oh which is one which is the one that i actually like so that's kind of yeah yeah i know that's i know that is the bad one it but it's the fun one come on i'm not saying it's not fun but it's bad no it really is it's so good it's so good in that perfectly camp way anyways this movie's not campy really at all it's really disturbing and i did not let my kids watch it and rachel didn't want to watch it with me so i just kind of sat and watched it twice by myself oh that's right we're talking about the thing thing. and it's been over (laughs) a week i think since we both watched it so we don't know how this is going to go it's going to be fun though i don't know about you but i remember early days of watching this movie and just being haunted by it just because i like it was so dark especially for that time you know the it was the late 90s was when i first discovered it i think it was uh 97 or maybe nine no it was 97 and i uh i had just gotten into horror movies at the on january 1st of 97 (laughs) i went and saw scream in the theater which was my first official horror movie that i went and saw in the theater and after that i couldn't get enough horror and that was when i discovered john carpenter's the thing and it was so bleak and so dark and all the performances are so fucking good that i just immediately fell in love with it and i've been watching it ever since it's so bleak and dark right after you watch scream you're like this isn't like scream at all what the fuck (laughs) no not even on the same planet like people die i guess that's kind of kind of the same not in the same ways man (laughs) we do open in kind of a cheesy sci-fi way like nothing's really explained but it does give away that this thing is like legitimately from outer space there's yeah. just the first shot is just a big fucking spaceship full, crashing on earth well not even crashing it's just kind of flying there i have to say i feel like that particular shot was something the studio came to carpenter and we're like look can we get a shot of the ship coming down so people know what we're talking about because you know studios in the early 80s were like hey let's make sure to aim at the dumbest member of the audience <laughs> Because based on the rest of the movie, it would be very confusing right out the gate without that. But if you see that, now you suddenly have a frame of reference, you know? So I feel like I feel like Carpenter probably wanted to lean into the confusing, but then the studio was... And, you know, and I don't think Carpenter's a hard-ass about that kind of thing. I don't think he has any delusions of making high art or something like that. But, but I think he just likes to tell a good story. And when the studio came to him with what is, you know, probably a pretty reasonably requ- reasonable request, I think he he probably was was cool with it. None of this is from like the commentary or anything. I haven't watched that in forever, so I don't remember what's on it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Did you get that feeling at all? Because that was the that was the feeling I had this time when watching it. I do think that it would have been more fun without 
that. The big reveal of that giant fucking spaceship in the ice. That would have been a cool a cool thing to just kind of like pop into the middle of the movie and be like, what the fuck? Okay. It would have had a much better effect if you had no idea where everything was coming from. The dog, why the Norwegians are shooting at the dog, you know, that whole thing. It wouldn't have made sense immediately, but I think that would have helped draw me at least more into the mystery. But then at the same time, I know I'm on the outside in terms of liking a mystery when I go into a movie. Most people, I guess, especially in the 80s, really want to know what they're going in to see before they see it. Yeah, I guess this is the 21st century. We're, we're so much more refined than they were in the 80s. <laughs> I don't know about that. Streamlined, dumbed <laughs> yeah. down. No, no, just, just pretend. Pretend that we're just better than them. Okay, all right, I will. Okay, good. You know who we really are better than? Swedish people who try to kill a dog. They're Norwegians, Andrew. There, we got that out of the way. You happy? <laughs> Are we going to ruin the mystique by telling the audience that we set that up in advance? <laughs> this is the most meta show on the internet, so yes. <laughs> the most meta show. I don't know about that. I don't know if we're the most anything show. Maybe the most unlistened to show. Most episodes for li- compared to listenership? We're, we're up there. We're in the 60s, man. Oh, but the God. important thing is, is that we pretend like people are listening. I don't know. I'm perfectly content to just do this for myself. I think if people started listening, uh, I'd get self-conscious. I wouldn't. You know why? Because we can be keyboard warriors. We could just be fucking behind them and be like, tell them to fuck you guys like I do when I when I do the Patreon <laughs> thing. It's fun. <laughs> and am I joking? I don't know. I don't know. Neither do they. That's the fun part. They'll be like, fine, I'll give you my money. God, just be nice to me. He's not joking. He's a total asshole. I am. But it's only because the world made me that way. Do you blame society? I do. I do. The movie society really messed me up. You know, I've never actually seen it. But I've, I've seen the cover and it looks real cool. It does. It, it It's one of those movies that I'm like, God, I really want to see that. But I don't know if I want to shell out, you know, 25 bucks t- for the privilege. For, yeah, the Arrow, the Arrow Blu-ray or whatever. Maybe one day I'll get the Steelbook. I have I have this new obsession with Steelbooks. They're always so goddamn pretty. I ended up getting the uh, Steelbook of Motel Hell this week. Oh, shit. When did that movie come out? Is that a good movie? Should I watch it? Because I kind of want know. to. I like it's, the name. It's got a beloved reputation and it has a fantastic cover you know the yeah. dude in the pig mask yes. with a gargantuan fucking chainsaw watch that shit and tell me if i should buy it i bought the craft and idle hands so idle hands is one of those i <laughs> kind of want to go back and watch just to see if my memory of it is accurate just because i remember it as being like one of the most 90s things i'd ever seen and i love that and the late 90s too so the late 90s started to get a little weird <laughs> Like, the early 90s was kind of weird, but the the late 90s, like, tried so hard to have some kind of identity that it just, sometimes it got strange. Yeah, yeah. The late 90s, I mean, the late 90s blended real hard into the early 2000s. I think when people think of the early 2000s, what they're usually thinking of is the late 90s. And horror was trying its damnedest to make a comeback at that point. Scream came out and everybody was like, Scream's awesome! Scream 2 came out and I'm pretty sure everybody's like, that was fine. And then we had to wait till 2003 or some shit for Scream 3, so that says... I don't think I don't think it waited that long, did it? I think it was like 2000, 2001. Just Suffice to say, it was deeply disappointing. Oh, it was 2000. You're right. I thought it was later than that. Never mind. Like I, I said, when when people think of the 2000s, what they're really thinking of is the late 90s. That's you're right. Let's keep making our way through the 80s here, specifically a few months in 1982 when this movie was shot. By the way, for 1982, I don't know how close you were watching, but I was watching real close. And with the exception of that stop motion at the end, these special effects 
effects have aged amazingly well. Oh, they're really good. And that's probably why the movie's so gross, too. Yeah, for sure. Because if it was CGI, like, you go back to, like, Drag Me to Hell, and you're like, yeah, it's a fun movie, but all the blood and gore and stuff is all CGI, and it looks kind of dumb, but not in a charming way. Yeah, that late 2000s CGI was uh, not doing any favors in terms of uh, the long-term effect. (laughs) Yeah, timeless it is not. This is timeless, though, especially now. It's another one of those sort of relevant things, like It Comes at Night, because it's all about isolation and something Mm. that is affecting you, and you don't really know it until you're dead. Paranoia. And paranoia. Oh, man, there's a lot of that going on. Myself included. I don't trust anybody anyways, which is why I'm God, it really does feel like you picked these intentions. <laughs> I know, I know. It was, this was sheer accident. It wasn't until we started doing it. I'm like, oh shit, I didn't really mean to do that. I'm just like, I, I forgot, I forgot. Okay. I, I was, I, I panic picked. I'm like, it comes at night. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody knows. Nobody likes that movie. So we should talk about it. You picked XX. So I'm like, all right. And then I'm like the thing. We love the thing. That's a movie that actually is still relevant today as far as horror goes. And obviously Halloween three, but that's just about, Hey, fuck it. Halloween three is about masks. Yeah. No, Halloween (laughs) three. I think when you watch it, you'll, uh, you'll be surprised at how relevant it is, but like we queued that up three years ago. So (laughs) yeah, I know. Ooh, we're like, we're like the Simpsons now. So opening scene, these assholes are shooting at a dog. And you get you get the feeling that since you know it's an alien, you get the feeling that there's a whole movie that we're missing. And guess what? They made that movie in 2011. <laughs> oh, thank heaven. 2011. <laughs> so we also meet McCready here, intercutting a little bit. And it's probably the best character introduction that you've ever seen. He's fucking playing, against the, playing chess against this weird chess computer and drinking scotch or fucking tequila or some shit j and b scotch oh oh well there you go see scotch see up i know stuff j and b paid a lot of money to get their scotch in this movie apparently because every bottle they open is j and b yeah there was a oh god it was like chevron or something also was all over the place oh yeah all the kerosene tanks and shit like that are all chevron yeah i'm like jokes on them nobody fucking went to see this movie (laughs) there's not (laughs) there's not a lot of product placement you can do in a story like that like this but they did it yeah what are they gonna, what are they gonna do? let's have a giant coke machine which they probably could have done because they're out in the middle of nowhere but why would they have a fucking machine the funny thing is there's a line in this movie that has bothered me for <laughs> 23 years ever since the first time i watched this movie and i finally just threw in the towel of trying to figure out what the fuck he's saying it was when um ah shit i can't remember the character's name but he's the guy the guy with the glasses windows no 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 oh no, no. oh the uh, other the, guy with the, glasses. the, the sciencey guy with the glasses yeah fuchs i think was that fuchs i think so what a fucking weird name yeah it might have been fuchs anyway we'll say it was fuchs so yeah when fuchs comes up to him and he's like can, can i talk to you outside and he's like it's 40 below outside and then fuchs says in the thiacal which i had no fucking clue what he was saying <laughs> i didn't I, I i didn't even know that that's what he said until i googled it's 40 below outside the thing quotes right and then I finally got it. And he says, in the thiacal. Then I had to Google, what the fuck is thiacal? <laughs> well, it turns out thiacal is a brand of snowplow. These oh. like snowplow tanks that they made, right? They're called thiacal. Thiacal is the company that manufactured them. But the one they have is not a thiacal brand. Yeah, you're, yeah, that's weird, man. So like, was it just huh. such a common word back then that they were like, oh yeah, no, that's just what they call them. I don't know. I don't know. You were alive back then, you tell me. Yeah. <laughs> 
you were two, yeah. two years yeah. old. <laughs> I was I was three years old. But uh, yeah, that that is fucking weird. But the chess computer apparently, well, he I guess he thinks that he's got it beat. But he doesn't. The chess computer beats him. He opens it up, pours what's left of his glass of scotch Casket in there. Casket age J&B yes. scotch. There you go. And he's like, cheating bitch. And it's just it's just a funny little... <laughs> Kurt Russell's awesome. He's just good at this. He does really act up that scene. Like, you can tell leading up to it that he does... Th- like, he doesn't say a word, but he clearly thinks he has the computer beat. And then it's just one of those watching him die inside moments when it beats him. <laughs> no, he's just him. like fuck you computer and then he dumps his scotch in the in this twenty thousand dollar chess computer which by the way this leads me to think that mccready is not is a man with impulse control issues oh you think just a little bit but then he makes that comment (laughs) about about how somebody somebody more even keeled than childs needs to take over and be the boss and then he reaches his hand out and he means himself yeah, I think Childs is probably the only person in this movie who's more dangerous than McCready. I want to backtrack just a little bit. During the opening credits, there's a name that I just, I had to mention. He's the, uh, let me see what, what his credit is again. Special makeup effects creator and designer. So right there, worth mentioning because the special makeup effects and design in this movie are top shelf. The guy's name is Rob Button. And I thought <laughs> that is a perfect name for a robot apocalypse. Sounds there's sexy. no way he's not getting killed by the resistance for just suspicion of being a robot (laughs) we also forgot to talk about that cool fucking title sequence yeah that's a pretty sweet title sequence like i wonder how they did that i know i was thinking the same thing and i watched a little bit of the commentary with uh i think the director of photography or something and no he did not fucking tell me at all i'm like how the hell did they do that because they did the same thing in the in the 50s one the thing from another world and i can only imagine like like they set something on fire they're clearly burning through something it's probably some sort of paper or something but did they like cut that out of steel or something and then plaster paper over it and then burn through so that just the the metal was showing i don't know it's a great effect though it looks looks fantastic it's like this and i i kept thinking about alien when i was watching this movie i'm like fuck that one had a cool little title sequence too with like little, little bits of the word popping up it's fucking norwegian fuck still shooting the dog so shit gets a little wild right from the get go because these guys land their helicopter right in the middle of this base when this dog fucking runs in and everybody's like what the what's going on why are these assholes shooting at this dog but then eventually they start opening fire on all the people at the base they're american by the way it's made very very you want to be very clear that the base where mccready is and everybody they're american okay i'd say it's pretty clear what happens they land the helicopter the guy fucking pulls out a grenade or some shit and goes to throw it but he fucks up and it slips out of his hand and it lands next to the helicopter blows the helicopter and his buddy up yeah by the way (laughs) that guy if those guys think that the uh that the norwegian with a gun was dangerous that guy was getting ready to throw a fucking grenade right into the center of that group of dudes because that's where the dog was he was in the center of the group of guys at that point this is a ridiculous scene it sets the tone for nothing because it's kind of weird and then they shoot my, the guy in the eye it's which is pretty gross my understanding is if you speak norwegian that guy actually lays the whole thing out in his shouted diatribe right before he takes shots at him and gets killed he basically lets you know everything that's going on but he only speaks Norwegian so if you don't speak Norwegian the movie's not getting spoiled for you so we meet Wilford Brimley and okay I made it through half this movie and I'm like wait a minute I thought Wilford Brimley was in this fucking movie you know why I, you know why I didn't recognize him <laughs> because he doesn't have the mustache <laughs> yeah and I'm like wait so I had to I had to look it up I'm like I swear to fucking god he was in this movie and I'm like oh oh then I hear him talk and I'm like I listen I'm like oh no that's him he looks so different 
without a mustache. It is so fucking weird. Also, it should be noted that he is credited in this movie not as Wilford Brimley, but as A. Wilford Brimley. Ooh, what's the A stand for, asshole? It doesn't stand for diabetes because that starts with a D. I was going to say it's probably a spoiler to let you know that Blair is is the thing because he's not the Wilford Brimley. He's just a Wilford Brimley. Oh, so it's not A period Wilford Brimley? Yes, it is A period Wilford Brimley. (laughs) <laughs> I was going to say, I wonder if they thought that far ahead. I mean, John Carpenter would, but eh. who knows? Maybe, maybe Carpenter was like, hey, Brim, I got a good idea. That's what Carpenter calls Wilford Brimley, calls him Brim. So I, I read the short story as well. This is based on a short story called Who Goes There? Or a novella, I guess. He brings up the chef and I swore to God this guy was black. I just, I just pictured him as a black guy. And what the fuck happens in the movie? He's a black guy, but he's also on roller skates and he's dancing to... Uh, <laughs> And this is, I hadn't seen this movie in like a few years when I started reading the book. And I, th- I thought that was just the funniest fucking thing. I laughed real hard because he's listening to Superstitious and fucking dancing on his skates. Like that that right there is the only thing that I think really would date the movie. It does date it pretty hard. I, I have to agree. I love that Bennings is like, will you turn that crap off? Meanwhile, it's like one of Stevie Wonder's, you know, like some of his best music. Right. But notice it's all a bunch of white guys aside from True. Childs and the the chef wow, what the fuck's his name i don't even remember now oh his name is nalls nalls that's right there are too many damn characters in this movie which is funny because it, it feels like such a small movie but like as i'm going through it i was looking at the cover of that shout factory edition just today and i'm going through i was like oh fuck that's right he's in it oh shit that's right he's in it too oh yeah him i forgot about it. you know like it feels like such a small movie but it actually has a, a pretty large cast for how confined the movie is all the characters in the book there was like 32 or something of these motherfuckers living on this base which makes sense yeah it's it's been a while since i read the story um god i think it's probably been like 10 years boy is it different when we get to the end i will compare no not the end the the wire the heated wire scene i'll tell you what happens because that's kind of where the store the book ends and it's really funny the difference yeah because i've i've completely forgotten about that i'm sure other shit happens but they're trying to figure out what the hell's going on uh they go to the norwegian camp for some reason and i don't even remember why at this point well they go to the norwegian camp because uh copper the doctor he takes a look at what the norwegians did to uh who is it bennings yes yeah they shot bennings and they're like and he says guys like that could do a lot of damage to their own before coming this way that's why they they go to check on the norwegians to see if any of them survived you know and also undoubtedly to try and figure out what the hell that was all about i made a note because kurt russell had a super cool hat he's also the pilot by the way he's like a mccready in the in the book is like a physicist or an astrologist not an astrologist yeah no strong astronomer or some shit like that yeah but they made him a pilot which is you know which fits kurt russell a lot better than some science nerd i think (laughs) this is really cool i love the norwegian camp it's really creepy it's all it's all burned to shit and you know we don't we don't know why yet we understand later why they set it on fire but of course like any like any good haunted house there's a fucking axe in the door and blood dripping down in there i think well it's frozen but it's a bloody axe in the door and a trail of blood leading to a frozen dead body which you said the effects were really really good apparently that that, that was the first effect that the guy made and I think it was like 2021 or something so this is one of his this is his early work and apparently that body did not look good in in real life is that why they shot everything in such soft focus yep that's exactly why and they're like um is this guy gonna be okay to do the rest of this because uh... <laughs> 
because apparently it did not look great but the way they shot it made it look really creepy and cool like the fucking blood drip the, the frozen blood drops coming from the dude's wrist and shit that's really weird they did a real shallow focus thing where you know they put the body in the foreground and then in the background you have copper and McCready and they're the ones who are in focus so the body's all the body's all soft but the outline is just so fucked up and horrifying it's oh, such a great creepy effect yeah I like it and it's and this is the part that I'm like fuck I want to watch that 2011 movie just because I kind of want to see what their idea is for what actually happened and Joel Edgerton's in it so fucking A we're going back to him again can we go a single episode <laughs> without talking about how great Joel Edgerton is no apparently not but he's you know the, he's he's apparently the new Rocky Balboa of the podcast you know who's also in it Mary Elizabeth Winstead your favorite why do you think I haven't watched it even out of a sick curiosity with her front and center no desire to go there we really need to do a movie where she is the star and we really need to go into why you have such a visceral hatred of her but we can't do it now because that'll take a long time <laughs> and it's not even this movie <laughs> uh you know what i i, I want to circle i want to circle back just a little bit there was a thing that I, I i meant to mention when the norwegians attacked the camp and i forgot to mention it and i think it bears mentioning just because it plays out on the end of the movie there's a payoff to it towards the end of the movie and that is that uh, when the norwegians start shooting everybody dives for cover including mccready but mccready when diving for cover does not drop the bottle of j&b scotch <laughs> they paid a lot of money for that but yeah no I, I think i did notice that and i got a little chuckle out of it because that's pretty funny <laughs> but i think that plays into mccready's character too you know like he the man loves his scotch what are you gonna do and you know you got to be really drunk to get fucked to, to fuck a bunch of dudes in the snow like that <laughs> You know, at least one of them went there. Come on. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because there was some raw dog going down at that camp. If Brokeback Mountain taught me anything, that if you put two red-blooded American men together in a fucking isolated environment, they're going to fuck each other. They find a creepy looking fucking alien at the at the Norwegian camp, though. Yes, they and do. That's, yes, they do. That's the first effect that's real cool because, oh man, it looks like it's two things like coming together and we don't know what the fuck it is, but it's all juicy and gross looking. That's a very iconic effect because... Because it's the first one in the movie that we get a really, really good close-up of. I mean, we don't get it right off. When we first see it, it's, again, you know, it's in that shallow focus thing where it's in the foreground and they're in the background and they're the ones we see. When they bring it back to the camp and lay it out on that table and it's still steaming and oozing, oh, thing just looks fucking beautiful i want i want a statue of that somebody probably has the original somewhere probably in john carpenter's house hell <laughs> or or in like or in like a you know like a storage unit or something like that that thing is in somebody's storage unit oh that'd be awesome i want it give it to me whoever's listening to this i know i know i know i know the creators of this movie are gonna be like oh these fucking assholes are talking about my movie or actually you know it's probably rob button rob button's probably got it in his shed somewhere so how about that first autopsy scene once they actually get their make their way back Back. Oh, it's so fucking juicy, man. Oh, it's so gross. And uh, Wilford Brimley was apparently a hunter and he was playing with real with a real liver and shit when he cut that thing open. <laughs> He absolutely sells it. He absolutely looks like a man who knows his way around a dead body. Oh, yeah. And he does let us know that like, oh, hey, all these these are human parts. We still don't know if that's true or not, but he's he swears that all those parts are normal. Well, what we've got here is what appears to be a normal set of, of organs. Good old Wilford Brimley. Let's get to the dogs, because that this is this is where shit really starts to go awry. So I, I have to say um, this time while watching the movie all i could think of whenever i saw clark was you i'm just like you are definitely 
like Clark is your spirit animal in this movie, man, because he is obsessed. He is he has got a, a deep, deep personal attachment to those dogs. I was wondering if he was on the spectrum the whole time because like he never really talks to anybody else, but he really loves his dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah, that would make perfect sense. I mean, you know, like at the time they probably were just like, oh, he's just a weirdo who <laughs> is absolutely crazy about his dogs. But no, that makes a lot of sense. I think you're onto something there. Yeah. Uh, everybody's getting pissed because that the dog's just kind of lurking around and everybody's like, put him with the other fucking dogs, asshole. A real, a real Lenny a little bit. <laughs> just just kind of. Now, I, I don't know about you, but my memory of Clark as an actor, my first memory of uh, Richard Mouser, the guy who plays Clark, is as uh, Corey Haim's dad in License to Drive. Wow. Because I didn't recognize him at all. Yeah, he plays he plays Corey Haim's dad, and in it he's married to, um, oh God, what's her name? Carol, is it Carol Kane? Carol, Carol Kane, Kane, yep. Whom I also love. No, he's in a couple movies that I like, though, so that's... What movies? Uh, he was in a movie called Don't Think Twice, written I don't know and that one. directed by Mike Birbiglia, the comedian. It's about, a, about an improv troupe. Oh, oh, okay. I now that you say that, I remember it. I tried to start watching it, and it was too inside baseball on the improv. <laughs> like I, I got it because like I have some friends who are into improv, but as a stand-up comic, well, you know, a stand-up as someone who has done stand-up, that's sort of where my heart lies. And improv and stand-up, it's not like they can't get along, but there is an elitism to improv. They kind of uh, have a tendency to look down their nose at stand-ups, and uh, consequently, while I did have one very good friend who did improv his friends in improv were not my favorite people in the world so yeah i mean i i think that movie is very accurate in terms of the way it represents improv but because of its level of accuracy it just made me uncomfortable so i turned it off <laughs> it's gonna be okay man it's gonna be okay <laughs> So, holy shit, this scene is disturbing as fuck and kind of sad. So he puts the dog in there and the dog, and they're, they're all just kind of sitting there. They're all staring at it. Nothing's really happening. But eventually the dog starts like ripping apart and like breaking open and it's all gross and gooey and like these weird little tentacle things. What do they look like? I don't even know what they look like. They're these green little things that shoot out and they wiggle all over the place. They kind of look like the ends of a koosh ball, you know? The way I think of them is like, like jellyfish tentacles. Oh God, it's yeah, it's icky. And then they spray this fucking poor dog with this sugary liquid, and he's getting soaked in this stuff. But it's so like good. high pressure too. Like yeah. it's not it's not just a smattering. It, that poor dog got hosed hard in KY. And then yeah, Clark sees it. Clark sees all that shit happening. He runs back to everybody. <laughs> He says one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. He's like, I don't know what the hell's in there, but it's weird and pissed off. <laughs> That's a moment where I've heard a lot of people, you know, doing internet reviews and shit like that saying, well, why does the dog, re you know, why does the dog do that? You know, why does it go so big right at that moment and give itself away? That well, the truth is, is I think at a glance, there's some validity to that. But if you really think about Clark as a character and then you think about the dog taking over or rather the thing taking over the dogs, first off, the thing knows how to take over dogs. It's clearly done it before, so it knows what it's doing. Doing. But also, you have to keep in mind that it doesn't have the opportunity to take over one dog. It has to take all the dogs. Now, it knows it can do it, but what it doesn't know is how weirdly attached Clark is to these dogs. Because we've established Clark is unnaturally attached to these dogs. He's he's attached on a level that most people can't relate to. And I think that's the Achilles heel in the thing's plan there, is it knew it could take these dogs. It knew it could take all of them. And that, you know, I think it's back 
background with the Norwegians, because if you've ever met a, a European, the way Europeans from the 80s treat dogs is, you know, there's a very master servant relationship, you know, so like it probably looks back on its experience there and says, well, once it locks us up for the night, it's not coming back. That that human thing's not coming back. So now's my opportunity. So it goes to take over the dogs. Well, you know, Clark is like constantly thinking about the dogs because apparently they're his only friends. <laughs> And that's what ends up saving everybody in the end. If it hadn't been for that, would you want to hang out with him? Dead. So really Clark ended up saving, uh, uh, or, or at least preventing everybody from getting taken over unawares. And right away they do mercy kill the dog before. Oh, we learned that the creature eventually that he assimilates and like absorbs things to create new things and become the things. It's super weird, but they, they do mercy kill the dog, which is sad because it's yes. little Yelp. Uh, and, but it morphs into this fucking two headed headed greasy dog thing and it's really creepy and gross but the effects guy did a really good job so yay him another delightfully monstrous creation yes. we get with the with those arms that reach up into the ceiling and pull it up i always thought that it pulled it up out of the room but it doesn't it just lifts itself up like so that it's up higher yeah it doesn't quite get there oh and there's a bunch of eyes all <laughs> over this fucking thing too yep oh god john carpenter really likes like throwing eyes on shit it's that, effective that I mean, weird just, floating it, ball head thing in in big trouble in little china too <laughs> yeah that's right i forgot about that your favorite creature in that yeah. movie i mean it's it's super creepy so i i totally get it flamethrowers play a big part in this movie as well because that's the only way you can kill this fucking thing is by setting it on fire they are lucky they have so many flamethrowers around i mean they wouldn't have survived half as long as they did without no. all those flamethrowers but it's practical because they're in the ice and they need they need to melt melt ice off of all their fucking equipment every once in a while so in the book they don't they have like blow torches that they have to make into little flamethrowers but that took took place in like the 30s so i don't know if the flamethrower existed yet Ooh, more autopsy stuff but this time it's on the on the on the on the dog that just got melted on the dirty uh, dog and we learn a little bit about how it works in theory and that starts to set off the doctor a little bit who was played by wilford brimley and i can't remember his character's name blair yeah, blair yes oh and they also found videos of the norwegians by the way at in the in, at their camp of them finding this weird spaceship and shit and that so is the point there. at which they realize what they're probably dealing with and then wilford brimley does his little simulation on the computer yes, which, by you. the way that is the one jump the shark moment for this movie <laughs> like it's the one thing that i can't 100 percent forgive because i understand from an exposition standpoint why you have that little graphical simulation but fuck back in the 80s that would have been a lot of programming just to make a program <laughs> that could do that yeah uh so he's doing the research and it, it tells him that his team is probably infected like it it says there's a, a high likelihood of the team already being infected and the world will probably be infected within twenty seven thousand hours and that's when blair is his name by the way he loses his fucking mind starts destroying all the computers and all the equipment and because he doesn't want anybody to come rescue them he because he's being heroic about it sort of for well a second now it should be noted that uh blair doesn't crack until the thing actually takes a human it takes bennings who 
was the guy who got shot by the Norwegian. And at that point, that's when Blair snaps because it's when they burn and are burying Bennings that, that someone says, has anybody seen Blair? It. That scene, by the way, is also creepy. That one's actually like scary, not just kind of sad because the dogs die. But when that ginger scientist, that's what I called him because he has red hair. Ha, they chase him outside and he's sitting in the middle of everybody. And, you know, he, he's like partially formed and he lifts up his hand and it's all long and weird. And he just looks at everybody and then does that invasion of the body snatcher scream. Yeah. Oh, oh that's great. And then they set his ass on fire. But yeah, actually that that whole sequence right there, a lot happens right there. Like that's when, let's see, who is it? Fuchs. That's when Fuchs comes to McCready and is like, hey, can I talk to you? And that's, you know, it's 40 below outside in the thiacle. And that's when they have that conversation. <laughs> and then when they go back, Windows is freaking out. And it's because he saw the thing take Bennings. And then they all run down there. And then they go and they find Bennings in the snow. All of that happens like in the space of just a couple of minutes. Like, it really does. It really happens super quick. Bunch going on yeah. right there. That's where Blair does freak out but, and, and takes like parts from the fucking helicopter so nobody can leave. And then, oh yeah, and then Blair has a fucking gun and everything and just, ah, more dead dogs. Oh my God. I don't, I don't know. I'm skipping over a bunch of stuff, but. You know what my big question is? Do they have Wi-Fi in Antarctica now? Because when they were watching that tape of the game show... (laughs) Oh, yeah, that was a, kind of a bummer. And Palmer is just like, oh, I know how this one ends. And <laughs> Child, like, Child is just sitting there. He, I like that he didn't argue. It was just kind of like, you know, normally there'd be a scene where they'd be like, fuck you, man, I want to watch it. Instead, uh, one of them is, it's probably Palmer, right? He's rolling a fucking joint. Or is, yep. is it Child's that's rolling a joint? No, no, Palmer Palmer with his endless supply of weed, which, by the way, how <laughs> did Palmer get his stockpile of weed? Because let's be honest. He's not growing it in Antarctica. This is the 80s. Hmm. This is the this is the post 70 like immediately post 1970s 80s. This is like prime time for Republicans <laughs> cracking down on marijuana. The evilest of the drugs, you know. I mean, don't get me wrong. It is Antarctica, so you know, you could argue, well, you know, it's Antarctica, so who gives a shit? But <laughs> Like there had to have been some, I mean, granted he could have easily bribed somebody. It's not like bribes are even that hard to deal with these days, but especially back then. But yeah, I don't know. Like as much as Palmer is smoking, he must have a lot of the stuff. Yeah. And Childs is partaking too. Like the second, the the second the dude lights that thing up, Childs reaches out his hand and (laughs) says, like, give it to me. Why do you think Childs was okay with him switching the tape? Because he was high already. That was a big joint too. That was like almost Snoop Dogg style right there. Oh yeah. That was Jay and silent bob style yeah after the dogs bite the dust i think blair had shot all the dogs no he killed him with an axe oh that's right he killed him with an axe oh my god he shot them all in the book that's right by the way that is a brass balls move you have to be a hardcore motherfucker to do something like that i know like shooting is one thing but to kill an animal with an axe that takes blood of ice let alone like five or six of them yeah yeah nope i don't feel good about that one but i get it i get it all right i understand it's one thing to just be you know to just be like all right we all have to die but it's another thing to take axe to multiple dogs like that and be like this is how dedicated i am to saving humanity yeah but that'll come back here later they do take him out to like the (laughs) 
the shed and it's really funny they're 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 dragging him out to this shed and then somebody i can't remember who he's with but somebody says to mccready like why don't we put him in your in your little shed and he's like i don't want him in my shed or my shack or whatever yeah i don't want him in my <laughs> shack we'll put him in the shed he says that that little voiceover as they're nailing boards over the shed windows so i feel like test audiences were like wait a minute is that is that his shack i don't understand <laughs> and john carpenter was like all right kurt get in the studio you gotta dumb it down for these fuckers oh and shortly after that it's the it's the scene well they 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 propose like a blood serum test but the blood is all is sabotaged for some reason and the only person that has the keys is captain gary and he he, he gives them to the doctor or one of the researchers or whatever once in a while so they're the he only gives two, them to copper yes copper thank you they're the only two people who have access so everybody's turning on each other at this point as you would there's no reason to trust anybody right this second this is the scene where gary has to give up the gun because you know he's kind of freaking out and windows also had a gun and everybody's going ape shit but this is the point yeah that's the thing windows windows when confronted with gary and copper going back and forth and then gary going like well someone could have lifted it from me and nobody buying that that's the point at which windows is like fuck it i'm getting the guns on a side note why the fuck do they have so many goddamn guns in there that is is an unusual amount of guns for a station that small you would not think they would need that many of them i mean i could definitely understand having some i mean are, are there polar bears of the south in antarctica i, I don't, don't know, know. That was my is that a I'm north like, pole uh, thing i don't know i don't know but that that's exactly the thought that i had i'm like polar bears i guess penguins i don't know i mean there are penguins in antarctica that's their thing penguins are are south polars well, but maybe they're assholes maybe they're I like raccoons and they eat out of their garbage and they don't like that there's a penguin listening to this show like god damn it stop spreading rumors about me you racist assholes <laughs> but this is the part where where childs goes and reaches for the gun and, and mccready's like no 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 somebody more even tempered and he's like that's the thing i to me <laughs> mccready is he's on an even keel he's just got poor impulse control you know like he's not angry he's just impulsive yeah i yeah i, I see what you mean <laughs> kind of funny but like i'd give it to him too he's got he's got the best hair and beard i do think it's interesting there in that particular scene that gary nominates uh norris to be the leader you know he's like what about you norris and norris is just like i can't do it guys i'm not up for it that's interesting because at this point norris is infected oh yeah yeah the thing knows like it has a sense of survival and it knows how to it wants to actually infect everybody so it knows it needs to kind of the implication here is that and that this is this is what i think because it was just shortly before that sequence when fuchs says to mccready the thing about the food he's he says i think if one small part of this thing can infect somebody everybody should make their own food and we should all eat out of cans the very shortly thereafter we see norris and he's like clutching at his stomach which i take to mean the thing was absorbing him from the inside Ooh, oh you're right and yeah then we get that cool defibrillator scene which we'll get to yeah in a minute. To, to where it was basically he wasn't fully taken over by the thing until that moment when he dies oh, which man. is just a little bit later yep this i guess is the point where where fuchs says to you know where he's he has that moment where he's recording and he says nobody trusts anybody anymore but then he rewinds and records over that i don't which i don't know why yeah that was weird i don't, I don't understand but then yeah, maybe he just didn't want to acknowledge it you know like maybe he was like oh that's this is fucked up like let's just pretend this isn't the case maybe it'll get better while he drinks a glass of fine casket age j and b scotch so now we're now we're going to the horror movie sin counter here which there aren't a whole lot but the group ends up splitting up because of course 
course they fucking do. Fuchs's corpse is outside and it's all burnt up and shit. Potentially he set himself on fire because he didn't want to, didn't want to be taken over by the thing. What was Fuchs doing there again? I he don't like, fucking um, remember. So yeah, I knew I should have watched this last night. God damn it. He found the McCready clothes, the torn up McCready's torn up clothes. Right, right. I think he sees something or someone going up to Max shack and uh i think that's what happens because like the implication is that okay like at that spoiler alert at this point palmer is the one who's infected like palmer is the patient zero so i guess palmer like follows him up to mccready shack kills him and then takes the clothes and stashes them in in the garbage can in the fucking kitchen or some shit no i think he said it was in the stove or something like that yeah something like that somewhere like the chimney or of the stove or something yeah something like that in the kitchen somewhere (laughs) so that then nalls and i think it's nalls and uh mccready end up finding fuchs's body yep and they have to go to they have to go up to mccready's shack or whatever because the lights are on and he left them off when he left that's right was childs with them or was it no it was just those two well, no, those were the those were the two who went up to the shack, but there was three of them down there when they found Fuchs's body. Oh yeah, I think it was was it Childs? It was a child. It could have been Windows. This is the trouble. Like, there's so many characters, and if a scene doesn't demand a certain character, it's tough to remember who does <laughs> what. But the cook does come back without Mac because he just assumes that he is the monster yeah. because he found the clothes. Because he found the clothes, right? Stashed in McCready's shack with uh, McCready's name on him. <laughs> yeah. And at this point, we've established that the thing tears through your clothes, but. McCready being disappeared does not last very long. He fucking comes right back in and they want to kill him, but they can't because he's got a flare and a fucking stick of dynamite with a very short fuse. Like he must have cut that fuse or something because that thing I noticed is not the long fuse, but it's a really tiny little short fuse on it. Yeah. So he's ready. He's- <laughs> <laughs> and that's a great standoff moment too because they've got the flamethrower but it's like what are you going to do are you going to hit 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 the man holding dynamite with the flamethrower and blow everything up but now here's one of the most famous scenes we finally get when uh what's his name copper has like a heart attack and he dies or whatever and- no no it's Norris who has Norris, Norris. Copper has at this point Gary Copper and Clark have all been tied up on the couch right too many fucking assholes in this movie. Mac uses the the dynamite to uh, to force Windows to tie everybody up on the uh, on the couch, and then he takes a little bit of everybody's. Oh no no no! Oh no, that's no, no. that that's that's the next right. Scene. We're skipping no, we're skipping Norris's yeah. great scene. We're doing the defib scene. Fucking amazing. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. I got ahead of it. You go. So the D, the defib scene. So the doctor has this dude on the fucking table and he's he's died. Essentially cardiac arrest. They're trying to get bring him back. He hits him with the defib once and then nothing happens. And then I think he does it. Uh, I think it's like right on the second time. His fucking stomach opens up like this. Ca- there's this character from the Savage Dragon comic books who has a fucking mouth for a stomach. And that's what it always reminded me of. And his hands gets f- get fucking ripped off. And I don't know how to even describe this fucking monster that he turns into. More of those weird little tentacle things shoot out of his stomach and then his head pops up and it's like on this weird again i don't even know how it's the fucking most disturbing weirdest goddamn thing well okay so you want my take on it yes my take yes because this is another one of those moments where everybody's like oh well this this thing's supposed to be working in secret and this is how it decides to take everybody i don't think it was a matter of 
it deciding to take everybody that way i think the defibrillator fucked it up well it, it was defending itself that was the that's the theory that mccready comes up with yeah it, well the the defibrillator you know like right off the bat norris has become all the thing after he died and at this point it's trying to change him from the inside but in so doing it's changing the inside of him you know it's like it's going through all its transformations inside his guts and whatnot norris is a big dude so it's got space but still then along comes copper with with the defibrillator well electricity is going to affect this thing just like it would affect us right they think norris is dead this thing's not dead but it's still feeling all that electricity and that's a good jolt of electricity well here comes volt number two it's got the ribs so what it decides to do is let the let the inner part of the ribs collapse and use the rest of the ribs that are being deformed and stuff to just chomp down on those arms and kill it at the source you know oh it's a great scene too that's that's some gross shit and then at that point the jig is up so out comes the norris head on the end of the yeah giant worm penis and then it thank you that that is the best way to describe it a worm penis and then it like (laughs) rips it like rips itself off the head on the end of the worm penis was actually its own thing that gets burnt up and then norris's original head rips itself off see there's too much going on in there's a lot of then it turns into one of them one of the other most disturbing things i've ever seen in my life it like flips itself upside down it's a fucking head spider and nobody notices it crawl away because they're they're torching the fucking body and then all of a sudden one of them turns around he's like what the hell is that no it's palmer that's the great thing is right is Palmer the thing has clearly adopted Palmer's character because and if you notice Palmer doesn't say anything until someone else notices it but as soon as I think it's like Childs and McCready notice it he's like you gotta be fucking kidding me I don't know if that would be my reaction I would scream like a girl and fucking pee my pants but <laughs> and then McCready hits it with the flamethrower I love flamethrowers man even in video games they're the, they're the best like if you're play if you play last of us the flamethrower is the way to go well if you wanna if you want to play a video game with a flamethrower play the thing yeah you can play the thing it uh, I don't know how expensive it is like on Amazon and shit but yeah I actually don't know my brother used to have it he played it on my system yeah I never played it but I've seen I've seen some good things and it looks cool and I, I like a good horror game but now now it's time for the the test so the theory goes that each individual piece of the creature like if it separates it's it's autonomous it's like its own thing and it it will react to anything to defend itself and all that shit so mccready comes up with a with a little test to he's gonna draw everybody's blood and put them in these little dishes and then he's gonna take a hot wire and poke it if somebody's the thing then it'll defend itself like i keep saying like a thousand fucking times because i don't know how to speak this would be a great <sighs> point at which to interject uh mccready's monologue there you know the uh when a man bleeds it's just tissue right <laughs> you know like that his, his, his just just splice that in right there you see when a man bleeds it's just tissue which by the way best idea like what a great idea and like it follows a logical path because he gets the idea from seeing norris's head rip off and try and survive on its own you yes. know yep. like it's great it's great it's brilliant so it is kind of gross though like he takes just this fucking the scalpel or this knife and just like he cuts windows fucking finger open it's real <laughs> like gross. Just not a small <laughs> cut right on the tip of the thumb which of course you know my son was watching it with me he's like why does it have to be in the worst place possible like yeah why not on the back of the hand 
hand or something. It's not like you need a pint of the shit. You just need a little bit of blood. I know. Oh, and right before this happens, by the way, McCready does have the gun and Clark is trying to fucking. Oh, yeah. Clark tries yeah. to jump him. So McCready yeah. shows that he is a man of no bullshit and kaboom clark is dead and consequently he does test clark's blood as well and clark is not not the thing by the way which makes you a murderer fucking love keith david man i just watched tales from the hood 2 the other day with my son and keith david is fucking great so the first one that he actually discovers as a thing is palmer of course he has everybody tied up and then palmer does this great look right right before mccready tests him it's just kind of like well here we fucking go yep and then (laughs) like he's just resigned to it like all right yeah yeah palmer starts turning into some weird monster and i don't think he he doesn't really get a chance to fully change his head opens up and he eats windows face because windows is definitely the beta bitch of this group and <laughs> when palmer comes after him all he can do is stare in horror because that's what he's been doing for the entire last six months or year or however long they've been down here every time a giant monster is coming at him and mccready is trying real hard to get the flamethrower to work but for some reason it's just not it's just not flaming yeah his is his is uh it, little performance anxiety <laughs> he's having trouble getting it up yeah. the flame stream that is <laughs> he has to torch a palmer and windows everybody else is clean except he's very he's very cocky about himself he's like i'm gonna show you guys what what i already know and then i'm like yeah we know we know it's fine the fuck you in his eyes he doesn't look <laughs> down at the blood as he tss, right into the thing i think it's both of them <laughs> he's just like fuck you guys i love it it's good stuff <laughs> You know, let's talk about that scene, because in the book, I think the way I understand it, that's almost right at the end. It plays roughly the same way. They, it's, a, it's a very similar test. They heat up a wire or whatever, and they draw blood like that. But it's very American, very fucking American, because as they test everybody and they discover that one of them's a thing, there's no second thought. These guys fucking kill the shit out of everybody triumphantly. <laughs> they, mur- <laughs> they murder their friends without a second thought. <laughs> The second they discover that they're that that they're infected, no, no bullshit, no fucking around. Just they all gang up on them and beat the shit out of them. A couple scenes, USA, yeah, USA. Like I said, very American. Wow, yeah. And then like after that, they're like, oh, this this has happened and this has happened. A bunch of us lived. It's over. Bye. The story ends on a positive note, right? Oh yeah, it's very it's very it's very optimistic. Yeah. Fuck that noise. No such luck with this movie, though. They want to go give Blair the test. Wouldn't you know it? He's not in the shed. But they break into the little... They break... The, they don't have to break into it because they have the fucking uh, keys. They go in no, there. No, they don't They don't have to do anything because the door is Oh, the is door's open. open. Fuck me, man. At this See? point, Blair knows that secrecy is no longer an option. So he's decided uh, to just end things to initiate the end game as it were but he's building a spaceship which they promptly destroy that's when blair definitely knows that it's time to shut things down with by the way one of the most conveniently fucking rolled pieces of dynamite ever do you see that thing there's there's like no no hill or anything like he just kind of drops it down there and just rolls it right under the ship it is flawless like it it just like it was a remote control piece of dynamite only kurt russell could have done that does kurt throw it or i thought gary threw it no, Kurt oh, must yeah. throw it. <laughs> oh, no, it's Kurt. It's Kurt. It's, it's, it's got to be, be him. Yeah. So now their idea is to set everything on fire so the thing can't freeze because they, they figure, holy fuck, if, if we all die, then he's just going to well, no, get no. himself frozen. It's only after... Now, granted, this does happen before he throws the dynamite right. down, but it's only after the power goes out that they're like, well, we're not walking out of this thing, but let's make sure he doesn't either. America. That's, fuck yeah. That's not, that's, not, that's not really the, the American way... 
they're like, we need to get out and we need to make sure that everybody knows how cool we are. In light of the pandemic, they would probably be like, fuck that. I ain't, I, I don't have to die <laughs> just so this, just so these motherfuckers don't all die. I've got rights. I'm going back. I've got rights. We're going to sue you when this is all over. How many times yeah. I've fucking heard there's that. No more, there's no more heroism in America. Yeah, they think the thing is smart enough to be like, if, if, I, if I get frozen again, then I'll wait for somebody to come and get me, and I'll thaw out, and I'll try this, try this shit again, essentially. Which, considering it's assimilated Blair's brain at this point. It's also suggested that it's psychic in the book. All of my knowledge of this is based on the movie. I read the book, but I only read it once, and I'll forever be indebted to it for giving us john carpenter's the thing and it's a very strong piece of writing for its time but ultimately it's very much of its time and it's boring and, uh, it's aged hard yeah it's not fun at all there were a couple cool parts and then I'm like fucking a gary gets gary gets a rough death here yeah yeah, so so they go down to try and figure out what's up with the generator. Yes, see if they can fix it. <laughs> and one of the one of the better lines, where he says, "The generator's gone, Mac. Well, can we fix it? It's gone, McCready." <laughs> And there's just this empty spot where the generator used to be. And you can tell it was a big motherfucker, too. This is an old school generator. This wasn't some nice modern Honda electric portable. This was this was old school. It was probably modern back then. Yeah, that's true. It probably was. But remember, you know. 1982. Well, realistically, it was probably modern whenever that base was set up, which was probably sometime in the mid 70s. Yeah, probably. Who knows? Fucking Norwegians. We're just blaming them for everything. <laughs> See, white people cause all the problems in the world. You know that? Don't get much whiter than Norwegian. No, not not at all. Look at me, man. Are you Norwegian? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of there was a lot of lefts at family get-togethers. But yeah, his fucking face, like Blair. Oh God, it's really icky. <laughs> Blair grabs him, and then his fingers dig under the skin of his face. It's a great effect. It's very effective. It's gross. This movie's gross in the best way possible. So Nalls pulls the pulls another horror movie thing. He sees the body like getting kind of drug off in the distance and he's like i guess i'm gonna go that way and see what's going on don't do that even though they knew they were gonna die anyways so i guess that's fine but and then we don't see nalls anymore yeah, he's just he's just gone and then mccready has a moment where he it's like oh okay he gets it he gets the uh the horror movie tropes because when he calls he's like gary nalls doesn't hear anything and then he just raises the plunger on that yeah on that detonator it's not subtle at all he's just like um. <laughs> at that point blair decides all right fuck it go for broke i call it the bugs bunny effect because it's really awesome he's under the yeah. fucking floorboards and it's super cool i see it as the tremors oh yeah because yeah. of uh you know that that nice shot in tremors when it's coming after them underneath the porch you know i've never actually sat down to watch that movie i've watched bits and pieces what? of it growing up yeah i never i never have i need to oh god you're robbing yourself man that's a great one and i love kevin bacon so yeah oh, it's, fuck. it's fantastic that is that is all-time classic kevin bacon right there classic baconator i'm hungry <laughs> so i called this tentacle porn because we finally i don't know if it's like the what he actually looks like or whatever but he's huge and he's got like this weird dinosaur face right am i am i remembering this correctly or does he look more yeah, like, it's like the plant? well it's like half blair's head and half this dinosaur monster <laughs> they put it on the cover of the steel book because it's fucking awesome thank you and then of course like it's got all these little it's got all these little bits coming off it you know like i think the idea of what they were going for and i'm pretty sure that they said this in an audio commentary that i listened to years ago is that all the little bits and everything like that weird that weird flower thing that's very hp lovecraft that comes off the first time we see it when it's the dog these are all parts of species 
species it's absorbed in the past. Uh, no, that's a good theory. I, I like that theory a lot. That makes a lot of sense, actually. It just erupts into this fucking mountain of various forms that it's pretty goddamn cool. I love movies like this. We need more. There's The Void, which is kind of cool if you're into yes. that sort of thing. Yeah. Yes. If you if you can't get enough of this kind of thing, as I can't, definitely check out The Void. All <laughs> old school practical effects and it's a really good you know just gripping lovecraftian style uh, horror story yeah that movie's awesome a lot of people didn't like it but i'm like fuck you guys you're wrong no. it's fine yep they're wrong they're wrong i'm sorry if you like the lovecraftian horror i mean granted it's lovecraftian you know you you have to you have to be okay with that level of bleakness to your horror and uh yeah but if you do if you are and you do it's good shit oh my god oh my god oh my god that's a canadian movie do you know who's in that i laughed so fucking hard when i i, it, I have to go back and watch it again it's not the coach is it it's rolled man rolled yes. oh my god rolled is in that yeah i think he's one of the first people to get fucking like trans tr- turned into whatever you know i think i watched that before i got into letter me too me too i should have guessed someone from letter kenny would show up in it if it's canadian i know i'm <laughs> apparently most of the stuff that i'm into these days is canadian we're watching Shit's creek and that's canadian it's a really fucking good show letter kenny of oh, course yeah. uh yeah lots of lots of good movies uh it stains the sands red uh not, I didn't like it very much. I still don't, <laughs> but that's a Canadian movie. <laughs> I'm going to respectfully disagree with you on that one. <laughs> I didn't say it was bad. I just said I didn't like it. I think that was an expectations thing. Oh, I think probably if you was. go into it with modified expectations, it's like it comes at night. You know, people went into it with a certain level of expectation and that's what ruined it for them. I think that if you go into it knowing what you're in for, or at least knowing that what you're not in for is that initial idea you had. And if you can get some space from the initial disappointment of not getting what you wanted, I think you'll really enjoy it i will watch it again right before the last scene kurt russell has another really good swearing moment because there's not a whole lot of that in these movies nobody's dropping f-bombs every five seconds like we do so it actually means something <laughs> when it does happen he has the dynamite and the fucking thing opens its mouth he lights the dynamite and he says yeah and fuck you too and then throws the dynamite down his throat <laughs> Because it should be noted that uh, when it exploded Bugs Bunny or Tremor style from underneath the, the floorboards, the first thing it did was grab and disable the plunger so that the dynamite could not be set off. So, yeah, so like he had the last <laughs> stick of dynamite, he throws it, blows it to shit, and then that sets all the other dynamite <laughs> off. Yeah, and so we get a glorious explosion of the camp, which I'm sure was all done in miniature, but it's very convincing. So now, seemingly, McCready's all by himself, but no, fuck childs comes like mccready's just sitting there fucking drinking more drinking more alcohol i don't know if it's actually if it's it in one of those bottles again it is it's a it's a bottle of j and b scotch and that's that's again why i think it ties into the end because now ha- are you familiar with the uh with both the factoids about the end like one is a theory and one is a fact um i do know that john carpenter confirmed that one of them is in fact the thing um which theories are you talking about because i i heard a couple okay so so this is my this is the theory that i saw and i subscribed to it and it is confirmed by what carpenter said he didn't confirm the theory itself he simply confirmed that the person that the theory points to as being the thing is correct because when we see mccready after the explosion he's holding a bottle of the scotch that he that we've been seeing throughout this entire movie and he's he's kind of shambling through the wreckage and he finds a spot to sit down and he sits and then child shows up and mccready and him sort of have a back and forth during 
during the back and forth, if you watch their breath, Childs does make a little bit of vapor when he speaks, but not much. Whereas McCready looks like he's smoking a friggin' cigarette, which is probably what he was doing, because realistically, this thing wasn't actually filmed in Antarctica. Sure was. But uh, it was it was actually filmed in a shitty, weird, cold ass location. I'm sure it was filmed in a cold place, but it was not filmed in Antarctica. And I know for a fact that during several of the scenes, they actually were smoking to make the breath effect uh, that, that that's in the audio commentary. I remember that from the uh, audio commentary I watched. It's not all the scenes, but okay, it, it was it was in scenes. Juneau, Alaska. OK, fine. Anyway, if you watch McCready is puffing out large amounts of vapor, but Childs barely any, almost none most of the time and of course Carpenter has said that that was the tip but then the other thing is is McCready hands Childs the bottle after they have their back and forth and Childs takes it and Childs drinks and as soon as Childs takes the drink McCready starts laughing and it's it's very specific it it, it happens right after Childs takes the drink and uh, as the theory goes this is before Carpenter ever confirmed the thing about the breath the theory goes that McCready wasn't actually carrying a bottle of scotch he was carrying a Molotov cocktail filled with diesel that they had made. But it all goes back to the whole thing about McCready being always holding on to the bottle of scotch and not fill, not dropping it, you know? So like at some point he grabbed up one of these Molotov cocktails and had it and uh, he hands it, he hands it to Childs and Childs takes the drink and that's when McCready knows that he's the thing. Right. Those are, yeah, I've heard, I've heard both of those. There was one that I heard in just some random fucking YouTube video about it, about it confirms that, it, I mean, it, it, it tries to confirm that Childs is in fact the thing because he's got to be right because we, we were with McCready the whole time and Childs was off doing whatever the fuck he was doing but well the breath thing confirms it because if you think about Childs as the thing he's actually cooling off you know he's not generating his own heat he's cooling off deliberately mm-hmm. so he's not generating the the vapor so that carpenter basically confirmed that childs is the thing the theory that that i heard was that if you pay really close attention there's like light on people's eyes when they're people but when they're when they're the thing you don't see any reflected any reflection of light in their eyes and the dude was showing a bunch of scenes and cutting back and forth i'm like holy shit that's actually true i don't know if they meant to do that or if it's just kind of a happy accident huh but that was also yeah if you look at that last scene, McCready has something reflected in his eyes and Childs does not. That's interesting. Yeah. That is that would be a very hard detail to pull off. But if it really is there, then yeah, I mean, that would indicate because Carpenter obviously knew how he wanted to do the story, you know, but he also knew that he didn't want to come right out and tell everybody because he held on to that for years. Like he held on to that for decades. I don't think he can, I don't think he actually confirmed that thing until like the 2010s or something like that. Jesus. When he stopped making movies and he's like, you know what? Fine. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically, I, I, I could be wrong about that, but I think it was a around that time yeah the wards sucked i guess i'll just tell you my big secrets <laughs> i don't think the wards sucked i actually like it despite it having amber heard who i fucking hate wow so that's how that's how you know it's actually a pretty good movie oh man i've never seen it i just heard that people weren't into it but then they're never fucking into his movies when they come out i'll tell you why because fucking amber heard sucks well amber heard does suck i do agree with that i don't i don't care either way like she doesn't generally she doesn't ruin movies for me but she does suck doesn't she <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, she sucks. Oh, fuck her. We'll do Never Back Down one of these days, and you can talk shit on her oh, you want. Oh, God. I, I fucking love Never Back Down, okay? That movie's fucking is that the one? Is that the one with Channing Tatum in it? No, that's Fighting. Oh, okay. And I thought that, Sorry, movie was, that movie was lame. I don't know. I They they came out they came out around the same time. Never Back Down is the Karate Kid ripoff with Jaime oh, okay. Hansu. Okay. Which then Michael Jai White well, he doesn't. Up. he doesn't star in it, but does he play the Mr. Miyagi character? Then? Yeah, yeah. He's the, he's oh, the okay. trainer. Uh, then Michael Jai White goes, Hey, I'm I like gonna, him. I'm going to make a sequel. Then he made two and he directed them both. He made two sequels? Yeah, Michael Jai White did, yeah. I have very mixed feelings about Michael Jai White. I really like him, but I don't like his taste. Oh, it, like, I like it gets I like the way he performs. <laughs> I just don't like the movies he chooses to perform in most of the time. Are you telling me that Spawn wasn't a good movie? No. Although I do think it's a good bad movie. I uh, know I I like Spawn a lot. We, we but it's can... only if you look at it that way. Kind of. If you look at it as a straight good action horror movie, and no, <laughs> I know it's bad. I'm okay with it. I don't give a shit. Yeah, you know what? The fact that you like Power Rangers, uh, yep, checks out. Yeah, because because John Leguizamo is basically for me anyway. He is the alpha of that movie. Oh man, I then I was thinking about the makeup effects in that fucking movie. You're awesome. That's like that's the star of the show for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. And then the CGI. <laughs> The CGI is the exact opposite. Oh, the CGI, that CGI Satan. Now there's some crappy CGI charm that you just kind of want to watch and laugh at. (laughs) It's one of those things, you know, like it's, it's so bad that the movie comes around to being good again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that movie makes me happy. I told I told some people I, I watched Kickboxer two this weekend again, and I came to work and one I told a couple new guys about it, and they, one of them's like, "Do you only watch B movies?" <laughs> I'm like, well, A, what would be so wrong with that? And B, no, not really. But those are the kinds of movies that generally have what I want to see in them. Not really hard. I just want to see a dumb action movie. What's wrong with yeah, that? Yeah, cheese, cheese ball action movies yeah. aren't A movies these days. No, not at all. I love dumb action movies, especially martial arts movies. They're some of my favorites. And Kickboxer 2, by the way, I said I didn't like it the first time I watched it. It was actually pretty good on the second second go around. I'll have to see um, because I think it might be one of those victims of expectation things. Oh, yeah. It's not it's not the first one do don't go yeah no not even close i think yeah i i have no doubt that i'll enjoy it even if it's only as a bad movie at this point but i am curious to see whether or not my opinion of it will change now that i know not to expect the first one well it's fun to watch sasha mitchell try to be all serious but that cody persona still fucking shines through a little bit and that is funny oh man i know he's a he's not a good actor and it's so fucking funny what casting director thought that was the choice to make? I like, don't know. They're like, oh, you're a martial artist and you're a good looking guy. There you go. Have fun. But Van yeah. Damme is so charming. You know, like he's just got that natural charm. I to guarantee him. Van Damme was like, I'm not doing that fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so they're like, fine, we'll just kill you and your brother. Fuck you. Plus, yeah. Van Damme was a financial draw at that point. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was yeah, doing so. he was doing shit like Hard Target when that came out. I recommend the first two. And With then... the great Wilford Brimley. Oh, nice. Nice another one but i do recommend the first two the third and fourth one you can skip unless you want some really bad stuff they're kind of fun to watch but kickboxer five with mark dacascus is great because of one line where he calls the bad guy a butt face and it is the funniest goddamn thing you will ever hear in your life and then you can skip right to the fucking remake and van damme comes back so oh hey we should probably wrap up the actual conversation we're supposed to be having you don't want to ramble for another 45 minutes i don't really (laughs) uh so hey that was the thing i don't know fucking tell us what you think man i never ask for audience participation here but come to us tell us what you 
you think about the thing and who you think is the thing. I mean, you'll probably be wrong unless you pick the one that we thought, but it's okay. You can be wrong. <laughs> but we're willing to hear your argument. Yes, yes. So do we need any final thoughts? Again, this is just one of those, this this movie's good. It's timeless. Fucking go watch it because it's gross and awesome. I think it's worth throwing in that this is part of John Carpenter's philosophical trilogy of apocalypse movies. None of them are directly related to each other, but they're all themed with the end of the world. Okay, I forgot about that because you, you brought that up and I didn't, I don't know which ones those entail. The other ones are Prince of Darkness, Rock Solid, Donald Pleasance teams up with John Carpenter again and uh, it's uh, it's a really good movie. Alice Cooper's in it and he's very creepy. <laughs> and In the Mouth of Madness starring the incomparable Sam Neill in a movie that is basically uh, Stephen King meets H.P. Lovecraft meets John Carpenter. Wow, I'm glad that's one of the movies that I bought at the Shout Factory sale then. Oh, you're in for a treat. I've never seen it, but I've always wanted to. It's one of my favorites. I'm a little nervous now, though. I already have it. Uh, My ex-girlfriend gave it to me for for my birthday one year. I don't have the Shout Factory version, but I do have have it on Blu-ray, and I love it. I really wanted to get the Prince of Darkness Blu-ray, but that is sold out. Shout Factory, you fucking bastards god damn it but yeah john carpenter is the way to go man he's he makes horror movies but he he also made assault on precinct 13 and a tv movie called elvis where kurt russell plays elvis so oh that's yeah. right he did that elvis but i forgot about that <laughs> and as far as i know that was the first time they worked together and then it just turned into all these great fucking movies i gotta check that one out of course you know uh don't forget dark star which was a comedy oh yeah that was like his very first feature too that's yep. super weird and i would like to go and check that out at some point if i could find it anywhere it's extraordinarily low budget and it's not don't go into it with any expectations no, no, just I, go into it and take it for what it I is just, because i just want to see where you um, came from man and don't watch it tired that would be my other recommendation <laughs> watch it when you're wide awake <laughs> fuck i'm always tired Sorry. <laughs> John Carpenter is definitely one of those who I want to own his complete body of work at some, you know, like I'm, I'm working slowly towards collecting that. I, this round I ordered, uh, I ordered the thing to replace my, my aging and, uh, apparently defective HD DVD. <laughs> and, uh, I also got their new, I don't know how new it is, but it's gotta be at least fairly new because I have tried to find it before and couldn't find a copy, their version of, uh, John Carpenter's vampires, which is a, a sadly underrated movie in my opinion. Yeah, I remember when it came out and I'm I'm like Bon Jovi, fuck that guy. Is Bon Jovi I don't think Bon Jovi's in Is it. he not? No, that he's I... in the sequel. He's in Vampires 2. What? Yeah, he's in the now? sequel. No, the the John Carpenter's Vampire stars James Woods before he got on Twitter and became a huge asshole, <laughs> and Cheryl Lee from uh, from Twin Peaks, who is smoking hot. I don't care about your stupid soundtrack, Bon Jovi. Fuck off. <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty sure the sequel stars Bon Jovi. Oh, yeah, you're right. Vampires Los Mortos. I swore he was in that movie, but I was totally wrong. Okay. So that was The Thing. The Thing is awesome. Go watch it, along with every all of John Carpenter's movies. Just, you know. Let's leave. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash sharks across Hollywood. Get your free trial and help out the show. You'll get a free audio book of your choice, and it can be whatever they got on there, Like, and you get to keep it even if you don't continue your membership. And you'll be helping out the show, so maybe go do that. That would be cool of you. Why don't you go follow 
follow us on some social media at the shark pod on everything clearly i'm posting every day and things are really really cooking on there but i could be persuaded to post more and give you some insights into life and things if you would give us some fucking money i don't have a clever insult for you so i'm just gonna say go ahead and donate at patreon.com slash sharks across hollywood give us money i don't want to don't want to work my shitty job anymore i was just gonna say we are working on some premium content at the moment it's going slower than expected but we're working on it eventually we'll have that shit all figured out and we'll we'll know exactly what we're doing unlikely but it'll happen hopefully but hey next week we're gonna do halloween 3 to close out the halloween season and my favorite of the sequels and then we're closing in on episode 69 so that'll be fun but hey we will see you next week and until then stay jossom